joining me again today, Bill English from BibleandBusiness.com. Welcome back, sir. Hey, thanks. Good to be back. So um, we're all working from home. It's not new yes. for me, but it's it's new for a lot of people. It's gone on much longer than many people ever imagined. Um, it shocked companies initially, like suddenly everyone's working from home. Um, there are lessons that they that companies are learning, that employers are learning. Um, let's just talk about you know productivity and how we continue to stay productive in this very strange new world. Yeah, and uh, being the CEO of a company with 800 employees, I can tell you that when we started to have people work from home, there was a lot of skepticism on on my management team about this. What we have found is what others have found is that productivity has pretty much uh, stayed stable, whether people are working from home or working uh, in the office. And over the half the country now is working from home. I think they uh, they found that in May which was the kind of the peak of this shutdown for the nation, um, 52% of American workers were working full-time from home, another 18% part-time. So 70%, about 100 million people were working at home at least part-time. And that number has stayed above. Uh, the the 70% has dropped to about 52 53% now, but it's still uh, higher, way higher than 2016. And I think what's happening is that a lot of uh, employers are now saying, wait a minute, um, we're going to have to plan for this for the foreseeable future. And there's a lot of employees who are going, you know, I don't like the commute. Why would I go back to commuting? You know, if you're in Chicago, I used to live in Chicago, and and you hop on the train to go downtown, it's an hour, hour and a half sometimes. Ride down and another hour, hour and a half back. Why would you do that when you can work from home? So employees are are really uh, learning that they can uh, that they can work from home, be just as productive with the uh, remote technology tools that we now have, and that they're actually pretty happy, pretty happy with uh, with working from home. So there's a uh, a big technology conversation that has to be a part of this, not only the hardware that we all have to have in order to work from home, but the software um, as well. Um, this was an incredible number. I, I don't think I was surprised by it, but it's kind of interesting to know that Zoom had 10 million daily meetings, daily meeting participants, 10 million right. daily meeting participants in December. Four months right. later, 300 million daily right. meeting participants. I'm I'm one of them. I mean, I I have on average one Zoom meeting a day. Some days I have multiple Zoom meetings. I know people who have 8 or 10 Zoom meetings every day. Like that is how they're functioning. Um so talk a little bit with us about using the technology that you have um and then also addressing the reality that people crave contact contact. Yeah, and 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 the question there when you combine them is can they get the contact that they need through technology, mm. right? Because um, I've al- I've often thought that technology makes relationships rather plastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you can you can communicate, but can you really connect? Well, uh, I think with Zoom and Teams and other types of video conferencing pieces that are real time, if the connections are good. Yeah, you can connect. Now, not as good as if you're in person. I'm not. I'm not saying that, 
But uh, for a lot of business uh, applications here where people aren't trying to be intimate, they're just trying to connect professionally, what we're finding is that the uh, remote technologies, these video and audio conferencing technologies are probably sufficient. You know, in my role as a as a partner at the Platinum Group, uh, I, I'm constantly trying to uh, connect with lawyers and accountants and uh, financial planners and, uh, you know, bankers and, and, and other trusted advisors to small business owners because we're always looking for referrals. And, you know, Carmen, in the past, I would let's let's meet a caribou on this date at this time. Let's have a cup of coffee together. And I don't know how much coffee I have. Caribou is one of the reasons they're successful is because of me. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but today I don't have to schedule a time at caribou. I can just schedule a 30 minute Zoom call. Everybody gets it. And I can get more networking done in less time just by doing it this way. So what do you need? You need good bandwidth. You need a really solid video camera. I, I went out and bought the top of the line Logitech 4K HD, you know, super duper. It washes your windows too kind of camera. And, uh, uh, you know, you need you need a really solid uh, laptop. I have a Surface Pro Seven uh, with with all the all the RAM, and um, but after you have that, you know, you're you're really good to go. So I, I don't know. Have have you found have you found that you're able to stay connected professionally? And I don't think you could date through Zoom. I think that's stupid. But could you um, have you found that you can? connect professionally with zoom and, and, and it's okay i don't know what what's your experience it's probably going to be all kinds of people that are now going to at you because you said you can't date through zoom um i actually think that there, <laughs> there's all kinds of uh dating going on right now through video platforms um is there really oh See, yeah i'm married oh, yeah. so what would i know about that? exactly well that's good i'm so glad you don't know anything about it that's fantastic um so uh let's see my experience has been Wow, I was really glad to get back to in-person church on Sunday. And the Zoom um, meetings, gatherings that I had with my small group, um, they don't, it doesn't, it's not the same. I mean, it's good. It's good. It's adequate. But it's not like being with people face-to-face um, in their presence. There is something about the flesh, right? There's a reason Jesus came from heaven to earth in the flesh. He doesn't just zoom in, right? Um, there wasn't just a broadcast in the sky that everybody, you know, tuned into. Like the flesh matters. Matter matters. Um, and so I think that's part of it for me. Um, people are precious and people are substantive and the matter of them matters. And so I think that for me, that's a part of the conversation. I do suspect that for people who um, maybe don't share that that theology, it's maybe it's fine for them. I am really looking forward to, uh, I know my kids are looking forward to in-person school. That has been very unsatisfying for them to do uh, online with no contact whatsoever. Um, and maybe the other conversation that we could have, I know we have to take a quick break, Paul. Um, so let's take a very brief break. When we come back, Bill, let's address the reality that um, the workday has really changed. Like there are now people who want to meet at all hours of the day and night and think it's appropriate to, you know, to suggest that. So there's, there is also this no sense that there is a workday that is confined to some number of hours in a particular time zone. So can we talk about that and sort of managing life in the midst of that? Sure. All right, that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. 
Continuing my conversation with Bill English, you can find him at BibleandBusiness.com. Um, Bill, uh, here's, a, here's a stat for us to consider. Microsoft Teams, which is one of these uh, online platforms where people meet together, we, use, we utilize it um, at Faith Radio. Microsoft Teams saw a 15 to 23% increase in usage between the hours of 8 and 9 a.m., and between the hours of 6 and 8 p.m., and the number of chats happening on weekends increased by more than 200%. So Correct. the par- the parameters of the workday are just gone, and the parameters of the work week are gone, and that is unsettling to me. But see, I think it's been that way ever since we 1984, when John Postal introduced SMTP, Simple Mail Transport Protocol. I, I'm being a little little weird to make the point. Uh, by the way, email, the whole protocol and the whole underlying technology uh, for email that we take for granted today, it was developed by a guy named John Postal. So go figure, right? Um, but how many people already work evenings and weekends? It's just that we're not doing video and audio conferencing and chats. We're doing emails and phone calls. I, I, I think that the eight to five uh, workday schedule has been jettisoned probably for ten to fifteen years. I'm just I, I not sure. I'm just not sure that it's healthy. I know I do it too, but um, I guess I'm confessing that I'm not sure that it's healthy um, for our relationships. Not healthy for our spiritual life. I mean, people are not taking a Sabbath day, um, and they're certainly not taking a Sabbath from work when they go on vacation. And I just, you know, I guess maybe I just want to pause there and just remind us that we are not what we do. We are human beings. We're not human doings. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm one of those guys that checks email when he's on vacation because I know if I don't, I'm going to come back to a thousand or more emails. It, it really is a trade-off decision. Mm-hmm. Do you, you know, do you, in our always connected world where Microsoft and other uh, companies have, through technology, have been... Uh, able to increase our productivity anytime, anywhere, uh, there is now an expectation that you're always connected. And that's just part of business. And is it healthy? Uh, Boy, I hope you like your job. I think if you really enjoy your job, it may actually have some health benefits. If you hate your job, no, it's not healthy. Uh, now, having said that, I will I will say that uh, every weekend between 24 and 36 hours, I shut my laptop and I don't do any emails. I, I just don't. I just turn it off because I have to have that break. Um, but, you know, if, if you live on a dairy farm and your cow gets out at <laughs> right. one in the morning, you know, you're on duty. Right. I mean, okay. Paul D- can talk dairy, about that, right? dairy farmers are already like I, <laughs> I, I that is already a category of human being that I hardly know how to esteem highly enough because cows have to be milked twice a day, every day. No break. I yeah, that's all yeah, right. You, so. you have named the one the one job in the world that I I just jaw droppingly esteem people that work in the dairy industry. There you go. Now, now, you know, now, you know, my most highly esteemed profession. Um, you know what, Paul's Paul's feeling the love right now. I'm sure. Well, so. I did grow up on a dairy farm, so I know the pain. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> All right, uh, back to school. Back to school. Let's talk yeah. a little bit about the economics yeah. of back to school, um, since this is what I teed up to talk with you about today, and I haven't gotten to it yet. Um, all, all kinds of conversations, like the back to school shopping season, is like second only to Christmas. I think. I mean, I, so talk right. with us about right. uh, what people are not buying, what they are buying, um, and then how maybe how people are going to 
manage now that the the relief package from Congress, you know, ended at the end of July and has not been replaced? Well, okay, on that last question, they're going to have to go back to work. They're not going to get their nine hundred and thirty or fifty dollars a week now, and uh, they're and I think it's going to lower the uh, the unemployment rate and increase the revenues back to the government through payroll taxes. Uh, in terms of kids going back to school, I don't know what they're buying, but I do know they're going to buy it online as opposed to in a brick and mortar mm. store. So the online retailers are going to win and the brick and mortars are going to lose. Look, uh, there's there's two businesses I would not want to be in right now. One is brick and mortar retail and the other one is owning um, office space, office buildings. Mm. Uh, those two places, I if man, if I, if I was in those, I'd be getting out as fast as I could right now. Uh, and, and frankly, uh, I think, uh, the uh, online retailers, uh, the, the adjacent businesses that are going to do very well and are doing very well are all the shipping companies and all of the online marketing web-based companies that help uh, support the, uh, e-commerce sites and that kind of stuff. So I'm familiar with one employer near where I live, uh, lots of office space around them vacant, um, yeah. they, they approached their, um, uh, the leasing, you know, the leasing agent for the building and said, we want to bring our people back to work, but in this County kids are not going back to school. So we want to lease adjacent space for people to be able to bring their kids. They need to be able to socially distance in that space. And we're going to supply, um, you know, adults to be in there with them, but we need you to give us that space at a really reduced rate. Um, So I do think that there are some creative ways that employers who want to help their employees be able to manage coming back to work and kids not going back to school and the glut of office space that's available around the country um, or even around the world. I mean, I do think there are some creative solutions if people are willing to to think about it. And you know what? One of of the really hard hit, and I I know, I, I understand the station that I'm on right now, Faith Radio. But one of the hardest hit areas right now, and it's going to be hard hit for the foreseeable future, are colleges. And, uh, you know, I, I honestly, I envision a number of colleges jettisoning their um, their campuses and going to office space. It, it, it would just be so much cheaper. Now, you give up the college experience. Uh, but at some point, uh, people are going to have to do the cost-benefit analysis, the, the the trade-off decision. Do you want to pay for the college experience or do you want the education? And the two are not always mutually exclusive. But, boy, I, Carmen, I think in the next 10 years, 15 years, you're going to see a number of colleges, whether they're Christian or not, go under because the supporting of the entire campus is just going to be too much. If they just want to deliver the instruction, they can do that online or through office space. This glut of office space might be ideal for some of them to maybe uh, load share, balance, uh, load balance between campus and office space, that kind of thing, uh, to reduce their overhead costs. Uh, Something's going to have to happen in that industry. Hmm. All right. Uh, For those of you wondering, University of Northwestern St. Paul is returning to campus. So you guys can check check out that news at unwsp.edu. And I and just a disclaimer here: my son is a senior at Northwest at University of Northwestern. Ooh. I love the school, and he's getting a great education, and I am so glad he is there. 
Oh, I, I love I mean, that. Thanks I have for that. No, nothing but kudos about it, but just talking about it from an economic standpoint, I know Al Kiratan and others in his position at other colleges, they are really up against it, and they have some very, very hard jobs uh, to navigate yeah. these waters. So Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, Bill English, thanks so much for joining us. You guys can find Bill at BibleAndBusiness.com. we got to take a quick break, and then we'll be right back. <laughs> 